master something, we get really good at it, but it takes time and it takes patience. And I think when we can understand that there's a process to growth, it's not as scary. Welcome to Unquestionable with your hosts, Giles Perry Phillips and Sophie Green, where each week we dive into real and raw conversations with experts, creators, thought leaders and CEOs. With our guests, we'll be exploring some of the unquestionable truths behind psychology, mental health, and relationships to gain a deeper understanding of human nature. So let's get into today's episode. We've gone for colour coordinated look mics, as you can see. Yes, yes. On brand, on brand. But I'm seeing you're liking pink as well. Yeah, Yeah, it's like pink. Well, do you know what? It's such a rudimental question to start with, but are there certain colors that you find are conducive to positivity for you for me i've always really liked blue but blue is like kind of calming maybe yeah Mm, yeah and so i gotta keep that feminine in there so i love the pink (laughs) that's great (laughs) right yeah because interestingly i spoke to a a color therapist once oh yeah and it was really interesting because they said that um actually it's quite advisable to keep like um some color swatches with you like even in like a purse or wallet or a bag or even in your pocket because just looking at certain colors can be a mood enhancer so she was saying like you know if you go for an interview or something blue is a great color for that just to calm you down Hmm. but if you just need to have a bit of you know just to lighten your mood a little bit maybe look at yellow or something i guess like that makes sense because the sunshine and all that kind of stuff oh i love that that's great. Interesting. Yeah, there we go. So, Kristen, tell us a bit about your your background, what led you to power positivity, and yeah, just, just tell us a bit about how this all began for you. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, starting positivity, power of positivity was quite a journey for me. You know, it all started in my living room, believe it or not, and At the time, I was bouncing back from hitting rock bottom, and that was a few years before that, and every area of my life was transforming. When I hit rock bottom, I had anxiety, I had depression, I had a failed business, which made me file bankruptcy, and I had so many health issues, and I was in my early 20s. And so at that place, it put me in bed for two weeks straight, literally. Like I just felt like I had failed so much at that time and I really had no will to continue. And so when I first started Power of Positivity, it was like a light bulb went off in my head. And it was like, look how much I'm transforming. And at the time, you know, a few years after, it wasn't a huge um, leap but it felt like it from where I was. And I thought maybe I can help someone else. If I can do this for myself, maybe other people can change with positive thinking. And so that's where power of positivity was birthed with just, you know, the desire to help other people and to spread the message of living a positive lifestyle for people who felt like, like I did. So for those people that um, are listening who don't know, Power of Positivity is an Instagram page, channel, platform that's accumulated millions of followers, you know, huge success. And it basically just shares positive stories, right? And um, things that will cheer people up. I mean, I've been 
um, featured on the page and my artwork and stuff like that. And that's how we kind of came to to know each other. So when you first started out posting, were you just posting sort of quotes or videos or pictures stuff for yourself? Was it a, a place that you would just sort of would go to to cheer yourself up? How how did it first look and feel when you very first started out? Yeah, so in June that would be it'd be 15 years now. And so Back then, I was reading quotes for myself to kind of uplift me. I had activities that I was doing that were uplifting to me. And so I was just kind of sharing the things that were inspiring me, hoping that it could inspire someone else. I wasn't really creating a business at the time. It was just I was focused on a community and just uplifting people. At the time, Facebook had just started pages. And I don't even know if you could upload photos. Maybe you could, but at the time it was just text quotes and affirmations. It was very simple. And then each year it grew a little more and a little more. Amazing. So I feel like that's actually maybe the the, the best start of a business is always you're just doing something for yourself and to help others. And there's like a positive motive behind it it's not like a big money making scheme it's not like you know you're setting out to change the world you're just trying to make the world a a better place in some small way would you agree yeah absolutely that's how it felt I I was so passionate about it that I was like wow I could change the world this could help so many people because I wasn't quite aware. I, I, you know, I, I loved quotes and I loved inspiration, but I didn't realize the power that it had to really change every area of your life if you allow it. Mm. Was that, was there one particular moment for you? Obviously you said you were having some very challenging times and you know, your, your business had failed and you were in a very dark place. Was there one specific thing for you, like as regards to positivity that made you start to reflect a bit upon that and then see, you know, be a bit, you know, feel the gratitude for what position you're in and all that. Kind of. Was this, was there a moment? Was there a day? Was there a, a you know, like a, you know, a, 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 an actual tangible kind of bit of advice that someone gave you? What was that thing that kind of pushed you towards this? You know, there's a lot of little moments that kind of built up, but something particular that kind of clicked for me when I was at rock bottom and not wanting to get out of bed. Um, was actually something a therapist told me. And she she basically just told me, be yourself, Kristen, because I was trying to people please. I was living a life based on what I thought other people would think is important. And I wasn't caring for myself. And when I, when, you know, she, so she told me about, um, a show that back in the day, the monsters. So Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And so um and so in the monsters, I can't think of her name right now, actually. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. But um yeah, Marilyn. So Marilyn was much different than the monsters, right? And so they thought she was weird for being the odd one. And so I kind when she told me hey, you're like Marilyn. You're like this positive, happy um, woman. That's who you truly are. But and but the way that you are, you're not seeing yourself in that way. Mm. And so essentially she was just saying, be yourself. And I really started to look at who that is and who I was when I was a little girl. And it's just a very deep 
inner journey that I think we all go through, right? And we all kind of ask ourselves these questions of who am I? Why am I here? You know? Yeah, so true. And I think, you know, um, Sophie and I have done a lot of things on authenticity and authenticity codes. And a lot of the practices and and things you do in that activities you do are, are regressing and looking at what lifts you up as a child, what the things that really, you know, were part of who you are as a person. And it sounds to me like, you know, obviously positivity, kindness, compassion, empathy, all things that were always there for you, but maybe you kind of lost them a little bit along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I was always an optimistic child and I kind of followed that ignorance is bliss in a way, right? And but then the world started telling me like, "Oh, you're but you're not seeing it like this and you're not doing this and you're not being like this." And so I kind of dimmed my light and and didn't realize it. I think we all do that in some way. Mm. Oh, absolutely. I feel like we we get to a certain point where we realize we kind of have to fit in to to be accepted. We have to like do certain jobs or you know, dress a certain way or drive a certain car. And then before you know it, we're just sort of like sleepwalking through life. And I think that's when most people do have their rock bottoms, you know, and they're doing a job that they can't stand or and they're in a relationship that they don't want to be in or whatever it is to sort of trying to fit in with other people in society and what have you. And it's when you get that rock bottom that it really forces you. It's like make or break to make those changes and to come back to yourself kind of thing. Absolutely. I totally agree. So you talked about sort of self-care, self-compassion and positivity. And sometimes, you know, as you know, I'm a terrible people pleaser. I say terrible. I, you know, there's some good aspects of being a people pleaser. But in those moments, often you're not being kind to yourself or uh, allowing yourself to be your authentic person. So how do you sort of... Um, navigate that because obviously as you know trying to be a compassionate positive person sometimes you have to say no sometimes you have to put yourself first how do you balance those things how do you navigate that yourself you know kindness is everything but we have to be kind to ourselves if we are pushing our boundaries and it's hurting us then we've gone too far you know we we do things out of kindness because it feels good because we care about people but if they're taking advantage or if we have to change to adapt that's when it becomes a problem absolutely and obviously you know with power positive building so big and you you know so become a business for you how do you find um being like the ceo of this big this big thing that's now become like how do you balance that with regards to you know being a positive kind of boss and role model yeah uh you know i have a team which is very helpful and i'm so grateful for because i definitely wouldn't be able to do it all without mm. them and their creativity and their work um you know I really love it because we're able to amplify the message and reach more people and, and help more people. And as far as balance, I feel like life's never going to be just equal in every single area. But as long as we're doing things that empower us and uplift us and feel good to us, that recharge us every day and we make that a priority, then we're not going to burn out. You know, I used to burn out so much in my early 20s, kind of 
chasing this passion I had inside to do something big and I didn't quite know what it was. And I put too much energy into doing that. And you're not as productive. And then you're leaving yourself out. So now I make sure I exercise regularly. I'm journaling. I'm spending time with people I care about. I'm meditating. I'm doing these things from a place of I get to do them and I like to do them, not that I have to do them. And I think that the purpose of it really will either energize you or deplete you. Mm, yeah, it's so true. How have you found also just being a boss in general? You know, because I, f- I feel like you get people that start out building bin- businesses with the best of intentions. But then once you have people that are sort of like, respon- you know, you're responsible for their income and, you know, you, you're responsible for like hitting targets and doing, you know, doing certain things within the business world. And then the pressure is on. And that's when people tend to, you know, maybe show show their worst version of themselves slightly more. Like, how have you kind of um, resisted those urges to, like, you know, snap at people or be the big scary boss and stay being a nice person? I don't know if you've ever seen those memes that show, like, boss and leader. And it will show, like, the bosses behind or the leaders at front. I always try to, like, lead the team and, like, do, be there with them, but also know that they have creativity that can be beyond me or ideas that that maybe I could never think of. And so I think adding gratitude into that and and positivity in the work that you're doing really helps with the success of what you're doing, you know, um, the communication with the team and just kind of showing up every day, like I said, just grateful that you get to do what you're doing versus that I have to do this. Mm-hmm. I really love having a team because we can collaborate and work on ideas together. And it's just so fun to me. And I love it working in that creative energy. Yeah, we're seeing that more. I think there's more uh, the best practices around work with regards to kindness and, um, and compassion towards work, you know, working colleagues and our staff. I think for a long time, it's always been like we rule with an iron rod, you know, um, it's got about discipline and all that kind of stuff. Where actually, if you are more compassionate to your workforce, they tend to work harder. Mm. Yeah. And giving them that space, um, you know, guiding them, but then also giving them that space to come up with something that you may have never thought about and could make things um, even better. You know, I try not to point blame necessarily knowing that, hey, we all make mistakes and I try to be super compassionate as as far as that. And I think it really does create a, a great work balance and dynamic with the team. Mm, amazing. And on the topic of um, creative ideas and creating new things, so you've recently released a book, um, The Comfort Zone. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how that came to be. You know, was it always something that you wanted to do, writing a book, or did it sort of organically come to be? Yeah, I, I love writing. And so at a very young age, I even declared to a teacher, I think it was in third grade, that I was going to write a book one day. Um, this book was the culmination of what I learned from hitting rock bottom, from burning out so many times, And then what I did to create power of positivity and sustain it for the last, you know, almost 15 years. 
and then also how I transformed my life. And so the comfort zone is a little counterintuitive to what society says about stepping out of your comfort zone. And I actually talk about expanding your comfort zone. You know, um, I think when we shame ourselves for comfort, then what about, you know, one day when we want to retire and eventually be comfortable, we've been shaming ourselves for decades about being about our comfort zone. And then we're never going to actually get to enjoy our lives because we've always been shaming ourselves for something that it's actually quite important to understand what truly makes you comfortable and then grow from that place. And so that's really what helped me when I did hit rock bottom. I had to start asking myself, like, what would be fun for you to do today, Kristen? What what lights you up? Where are your skill sets? Where are you most comfortable? Because when you're rebuilding your life from such a low place, you have to cling on to what you're most comfortable, you know, with. And so by doing that, I just continued to expand my comfort zone and my skill sets and the things that I was doing. And it was a great way for me to embrace discomfort. It wasn't something that I was afraid of anymore. It was something that I was you know, harnessing. Mm. And would you say that if that's allowed you to have sort of more sustainable growth as well? Because I don't know about you guys, but like when I've gone through periods where I've been growing and growing and developing and all this amazing stuff's been happening, it feels really uncomfortable. And that's when I start to like subconsciously self-sabotage or things might go wrong because I'm almost trying to get back to that comfort zone because I've just been kind of like, like pushing myself through the glass ceiling and then suddenly I'm floating in in at the air like oh my god what's happening and then you, that's when stuff starts to go wrong or like shit hits the fan and you're kind yeah. of like coming back down to, to yeah. earth kind of thing yeah no I totally totally get that and so in the book I talk about self-care and the four pillars of self-care you know really respecting our physical emotional Um, mental and spiritual needs on a regular basis and filling that cup so that we don't kind of feel like, whoa, I've really um, got away with myself. Because once we can do that on a regular basis, we were able to kind of tackle any new challenge or area of growth that we're experiencing. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I've recently um, gone away And I do this thing where I'm like, I work really, really hard so that I can enjoy my life. And then when I do enjoy my life, I feel really, really guilty for it. (laughs) And and I'm like, I need to get back to work (laughs) because I guess I'm just a workaholic or something. But I I guess what you're saying kind of makes perfect sense because it's like you, when you're constantly working and growing and pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, you abandon, you know, what it feels like to look after yourself and to you know, go on a vacation or a trip and have fun and relax. And then when you do those things, it feels really um, like terrible. And like your whole world is going to come crashing down because you're not working every second of every day. Do you you get what I mean? No, I I definitely do. And I, I think morning, if we can, a morning and evening routine is so important because that way we spend time on ourselves and even though, even if it's just a few minutes or an hour, whatever time you have, but you're giving back to yourself so that when you do take that vacation or 
um, or whatever it may be, you're not having that guilt because you're just regularly, consistently kind of doing that. And so it's built into your schedule. Well, so what kind of things would you do in the morning and the evening to build up a routine? Mm. You know, I love going to the gym. I love going outside and going for walks even between meetings um, or around lunchtime. So that's really important to me. I love journaling. Some people aren't a fan of journaling. I love journaling. Um, I love reading. Um, I make sure that I spend time um, with friends. And if I can, I use the Marco Polo app. You can video your friends and stay connected. Um, I, I'm I'm big on gratitude. I used to do more gratitude lists, but now I feel like I, I kind of embodied that. And so I do less lists and just kind of throughout the day, just kind of really fill up on on gratitude. It's really the simple things that we need, right? Like it's it's that simple. <laughs> it's interesting because um I, I suffer from ADHD and, and a lot of the things you're saying are obviously with someone with ADHD, you have a, a lower dopamine um intake. So a lot of what you're saying are, are all those really good dopamine hits. They're not the the quick fire kind of notifications on your phone or like eating a cheeseburger or it might be it's like those really good nourishing hits of dopamine so going out in nature exercising listening to listening to music's another one you know having coffee with friends conversations they're all really mm -hmm. good sources of dopamine so they obviously give you that lift and that you know that feeling of comfort yeah i love that that's so true and you know there's so much research and science today about like what a positive lifestyle can do for your well-being and not just your mindset. And I even recently read a study that connected a positive lifestyle and positive thinking to longevity. And so I, I think it is that natural dopamine hit that you're talking about um, versus, you know, scrolling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Doom scrolling. It's so funny as well, because when it comes to like journaling, meditation, I'm a huge journaler as well. I absolutely love journaling and meditation um i always struggle with because it's some you know i know is a positive thing i know it's not a waste of time but for some reason in my head i'm like 20 minute medication uh, meditation i don't have 20 minutes no i could be <laughs> using that time far more wisely to work and stuff but then i'll happily like spend an hour scrolling on my phone or playing candy crush or whatever it is <laughs> so it's like it's kind of like ingraining that in our heads that these you know, positive things that we're doing. If we're like reading for half an hour or meditating for 20 minutes or whatever, it's not a waste of time because it makes you so much more productive when you are working. Mm, yeah, absolutely. You know, if you're not a fan of meditation, there's so many things that are kind of like meditation, right? Like even just going for a walk in the forest or, you know, just doing something where your mind's not in this overthinking place and you give yourself a bit of a break, you know? Mm. I need to do that. I, I live I in need a forest, to. so you should do that. I <laughs> literally live in the oh, forest. Oh, you live in the forest. I love that. See, I do. But yeah. every time I go for a walk, so funnily enough, I used to go for walks every single day in the woods because I have a dog and I used to go out Aww. with my dog and my neighbor's dog. And then my neighbor's dog like sadly passed away very suddenly. And then my dog underwent spinal surgery and then went blind. So she barely walks now. So I had just never go for walks anymore. And um, when I do go for a walk, I stick the headphones in and it's like true crime podcasts or like music. You know, I can't just walk in silence. <laughs> but yeah. Aww. It is hard, though. Like you're saying with the meditation, I think 
again it's um it's sitting with the fact that sometimes particularly with meditation that the, it sometimes it is uncomfortable to meditate and stuff because you have got all these thoughts coming in and out of your brain and you i guess there's that urge to try and silence those thoughts and actually it's okay to let those things kind of come in and out of your your head and actually sit with it and actually that's the comforting bit is actually just allow allowing those things to happen yeah yeah not forcing it and just kind yeah. of flowing with what's coming up i think sometimes we think that we just always need to be productive and that's our highest value but there's so many other values that we have besides productivity and i used to always think like that was my main value was how productive i am but it's a good belief to kind of let go that there's other things that you can do you know yes totally true so in terms of moving out, or not moving out of your comfort zone, sorry, but expanding your comfort zone, because you talk about, you know, it's not about leaving the comfort zone as we're sort of taught by society that we have to do, but more expanding it, I guess, in a more natural way. How does one go about expanding their comfort zone? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, in the book, I talk about the process of acclimation, and it's really just how we naturally grow and so at the edge of our comfort zone that's really like our growth zone you know if you think about it as a an area you can stretch and expand to as big as you as you want it to be and to grow obviously when we first start something new we're going to feel uncomfortable and unfamiliar with it but if we're drawn to it or we want to do it then that's a sign that we need to right and so that's really the first step is, yeah, it's a little uncomfortable, it's a little unfamiliar, but I wanna do this or I need to do this and and you, you get started. And over time, it becomes familiar, that's the second step, but you're still a little uncomfortable with it. You know, think about learning to dance or, or playing an instrument or whatever it might be, you're trying something new. And oftentimes we stay in this uncomfortable, unfamiliar place and we never actually take the time to get familiar and comfortable with it. And that's really where we master something. We get really good at it, but it takes time and it takes patience. And I think when we can understand that there's a process to growth, it's not as scary, right? It can be a little more predictable knowing that, hey, everybody feels a little uncomfortable and unfamiliar at first. But the goal is to eventually get comfortable and have that in your comfort zone and where you can literally be in the flow and master it and just truly enjoy it. So how can how can one tell the difference between feeling naturally uncomfortable because you're growing and your intuition kind of telling you not to do something or like not just not wanting to do something? So I think often that's what puts people mm -hmm. off the growth is because they get that feeling of being uncomfortable and they're just like no not for me it's not it's not right not right now sort of thing they put off doing it mm, you know if it's something you're being drawn to like for me I was drawn to public speaking and I had never really done that I thought maybe it wasn't really who I was but I, I wanted to connect with my audience in that way and so yeah I feel like it's not necessarily fears. It's just overcoming those limiting beliefs because nothing is really as bad as we're making it in our head. And so affirmations really help me with public speaking. Watching other people on YouTube and getting comfortable with it really helped me to acclimate to it. 
And then if you have the capability hiring a coach or a mentor or getting into a group, you know, like Toastmasters where you can learn from other people, there's so many ways that we can kind of lessen that sting and get more familiar with that without just jumping into it, right? And failing and then never wanting to do it again. I, I, I think just intuitively, if you're being drawn to it, of course, you're not going to be 100% comfortable with it. It's something completely new. And so if we're gentle with ourselves, that's the key. Yeah, I love that. That's great advice. I'm just thinking about all the listeners who are potentially like wanting to do something or have been pulled in a certain direction, but uh, hovering over the book, that salsa class button. Yeah, but they just have never done it because of that feeling of uncomfortableness. Like, yeah, it's so interesting. And I think public speaking is such a good example of that as well, because it is like you see a public speaker on like a TED talk or, you know, and you're like, wow, they're so inspiring. That's amazing. And then when it comes to actually doing it yourself, most people would be like, nope, yeah, <laughs> no way. But, you know, there's so much that they did to get to where they are. And when you realize that, that there's that process and that you can be more gentle with yourself, that you're not going to just get up on stage and just nail it like they are, that they had to learn and grow and practice. And so just getting yourself familiar with it and comfortable with it by observing and learning more about it. There's just so many ways that we can kind of lessen that sting if we're interested in it. You know, of course, something new is going to feel a little bit, you know, weird or unfamiliar right <laughs> we're not going to be perfect at it and that's okay yeah absolutely i do wonder as well like um giving ourselves that time like you say to actually get used to it because i think also we're in a and maybe this is just the age we're living in that we want instant gratification or we want to be instantly like good at something or it to be okay. Like we don't want to sit with discomfort. We want to be straight to the comfort like instantly. So again, giving ourselves that patience to and allow that process. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like otherwise we're just in this static, fearful place, which is much more uncomfortable and regret is much more uncomfortable, right? So either way, we have to decide, well, which one, you know, is going to be more uncomfortable? And so when we think of it as a way of acclimating to bringing it into our comfort zone, just that mindset shift really can lessen the sting of it, honestly, because we're feeling like, hey, we're kind of attracting it in, we're growing and attracting it in. And it it's a very powerful belief system to embrace because again like I said a decade and a half ago I was laying in bed I was afraid to even go to the grocery store I was like just feeling so anxious so depressed so you know doubtful and being in that kind of place to being able to talk on stage is is really a testament to what positive thinking can do for anyone because I'm no one special. I'm just a regular person that tried new things. <laughs> well, it's amazing when you're talking about that kind of laws of attraction thing, that what you put out there, you get back. Uh, I, I'm assuming you're a great believer in that as well. You know, I've seen that in my life happen. And so I think that once you experience it and you say, wow, you can have it, you know, a testament to it. But otherwise, if you have the mindset that it doesn't work, then it probably won't work for you. Yeah. 
I mean, like, even if you're not a believer of that sort of thing, you know, I know there's a lot of buzz at the moment around like the law of attraction and manifesting and stuff like that. But you never like we all know what it feels like to walk into a room and just feel like someone is magnetic, you know, and you've got mm. someone that's really positive and smiley and happy and just nice to be around. Like we've all experienced that. And I think on some level, like that's what that is. It's, you know, we're, we're all vibrating beings, you know, we're just cells vibrating at different frequencies. And if you are vibrating on that positive frequency, then you're more likely to attract other positive things to you. And good luck, you know, people say, you know, oh, you attract, you make your own luck in life. And I think that that's kind of what that is. Like, you know, lucky people are lucky because they are building their own luck. They're, they're putting those good vibes out there. Yeah, that's well said. I love that. And even our brain starts to search for what we're thinking about most. So we're going to be attracted to what is filling our mind more often. Oh, that is so true. Yeah, I've heard about that. Is it like your reticular activating system? It's like yeah. letting certain things in and you know, like guarding your mind of other things and stuff like that. So if you're looking for a new car, like just on a very basic level, if you're looking to buy a new car and you, you're thinking, like, oh, I might buy like a yellow mini. And I'm just saying yellow mini because I, I used to have yellow mini and they're quite rare. <laughs> and suddenly you start seeing yellow minis everywhere. And that is because your reticular activating system in your brain is like, right, well, yellow minis are important to you. So I will look for yellow minis for you to make that happen. And suddenly, you know, it comes into your reality. So yeah, it's so true. I mean, we've all experienced that where we're like, I was just talking about that the other day, and then you're seeing it, or I've never heard of that until now. And then there it is. So absolutely. And I, it works I, for anything. Yeah, I thought that was just the internet listening to you. <laughs> well, that as well. That as well. That could but. be too. Yeah. If, if the internet's not involved in the current yeah. reality you're seeing. <laughs> I like the reticular, what was it say? What was the phrase again? The, your reticular activating. Yeah, phrase. yeah. I like that better. Yeah. I like that better than yeah, yeah. like just sending me ads for like, yeah. Yeah. But then again, it depends how you look at it. Like, you know, a cynic would say, or, a re you know, someone that's a bit more realistic would say, well, it's, you know, your phone is listening to you, which is true. But also you could be like, well, I choose to believe that that is a sign. Well, also, I guess it's like it's making you think, well, actually, I really do want that yellow mint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a really good advert for uh, <laughs> yeah, right now. <laughs> well, Volk, what is it? Volk, like, no, BMW now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And we, we kind of look for, we also, I think we kind of look for what proves us right as well. So I think if you're in a naturally quite a negative or pessimistic, person your brain will naturally be looking for evidence to prove that you are right that the world is a terrible place and people are horrible and you know this that and the other whereas if you are choosing to look at the world through a more positive lens your brain will be trying to look for evidence of that and like yes the world is an amazing place even if it is quite like forced and you're literally forcing yourself to look on the bright side of things yeah, that's so well said. I feel like there's always an opportunity to see the good and there's also always an opportunity to see the bad. I totally agree with that. Mm. I wonder if we could talk a little bit about um, or I could get your opinion on um, like toxic positivity and this idea of toxic positivity, because, again, I feel like that's a bit of a buzzword at the moment. And I think because people are um, making more of an effort to be more positive and look at the world through you know, a more positive lens, You've also got the other side of that, which is people saying, like, well, that's toxic positivity. It's like when you're just ignoring all the bad stuff and ignoring all the horrible things that come up, just focusing on the positive or 
you know, if you're feeling terrible, but then you pretend to yourself that you're feeling great, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? You know, when I was at rock bottom, I was, if you would say, um, living in toxic positivity, I was stuffing emotions down. To me, toxic positivity is not addressing something that's negative and just stuffing it down, numbing it, ignoring it, and thinking it will change. I teach my community, um, and this is also in my first book, Three Minute Positivity Journal, um, to address the negative. So when the negative's coming, don't push it down know that it's there, but then how can you move through it? We don't want to just always allow emotions to guide us. We want to guide our emotions. And we certainly don't want to stuff things down. That's really where toxic positivity comes from, I believe. And then, you know, you're just, your life is full of piles of problems that you've never dealt with. And so dealing with that and finding the solution is really the positive way to deal with negativity, not ignoring it. Mm. And so some, I guess sometimes that might look like having a day where you feel like crap and you're crying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, letting your emotions be what they are, but not feeling them, but just not staying in them for too long. I mean, obviously something like grief, I mean, that's totally natural. We're humans. We're not robots honoring our feelings, but at the same time, not ignoring that there is an opportunity for us to see the good, or maybe our perspective is skewed on something and there's another way to look at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess you could say like, you know, often people who shout about toxic positivity may be in a place where they're not, you know, they're not wanting to see those kind of messages or hear that, you know, that there is a, a chance to be a more positive person. So I think sometimes we, particularly on the internet, and I was going to say a little bit about that, like, obviously we live in a kind of very binary world now with things like Twitter and Instagram, where you do get a lot of kind of kickback on stuff, you know, like I, I try and put out lots of positive messages and sometimes some people don't like it and, you know, you obviously hear about it. Um, and I just wondered how you kind of navigate that like a little bit, I guess, with so you've got a very big platform and, you know, this, these things are unavoidable. Mm. You know, honestly, I don't get very many negative messages around um, being positive, actually. Um, once in a while, you'll get someone that says, you know, I don't believe in this or or something like that. And they are allowed to believe whatever they want. That's their reality. There is so many belief systems that we can choose to accept or not accept. And so um, honestly, our community is so supportive, but we also craft messages and articles around the awareness of your feelings and hardships and then how to bounce back from that. We don't ignore that they're there. You know, this world is not just full, 100% purely positive. And so we address the issues that they might be going through and then let them know how they can, you know, move forward. Because really it's, it's, I'm so passionate about helping people who really feel stuck because that's what I felt like. And, and moving through those stuck feelings and emotions and being able to progress into feeling positive, truly positive, genuinely positive. And it takes time. Mm. Yeah. Also, power of positivity is a great um, 
Well, it's just a big, it is a mood booster, honestly. Like I definitely encourage any of the listeners listening to go and check it out because it's just, it's not just sort of quotes and stuff. Now it's like videos of real people, like, you know, like, or pet story, you know, stories of like animals and stuff that have changed lives and stuff. It's just so lovely. And I guess there's a big difference between a platform that feels like a community of people and, you know, wisdom and animals and like all the rest of it and then if it's just a person or an identity displaying positivity I guess that's probably more likely to attract people that are like bitter and angry because there is someone to direct that at do you know what I mean that's how I feel yeah thank you you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) well I was just trying to no no no, no, it's true it's true no I think you're right I think because you have got a community of of people that are all singing from the same song sheet mm. yeah and yeah. i'd say whereas if, if it is an individual it's an easier target well i mean like if i was in a bad mood and i was scrolling through my timeline and i saw a video of like a puppy i'd be like oh that's nice but if i was <laughs> in a bad mood and i saw someone like a person that was like look at my lovely puppy oh, yeah. <laughs> if you're in a bad mood you need to look at videos of puppies yeah. i would probably be like you don't know what i need <laughs> you know like humans just uh, uh, you know sometimes it's easy to just see another person as a target rather than yeah, you know it's true <laughs> even yeah, though your posts are lovely so no matter what kind of feedback you get from people just don't change who you are because your tribe will be attracted to you and and love what you're posting and align with it and if you trigger someone maybe that's for them to deal mm. with maybe they were meant to be triggered sometimes when we're triggered it opens us up to something we didn't see that we need to address and i think handling triggers in that way is so important and even if they don't realize it you never know what you could be doing for them even if you triggered them you know mm-hmm. yeah so true so true and um we do tend to remember the negative comments over the positive <laughs> as well as humans i think we could hear like a million positive comments in a week and then one negative in a year and we'll cling on to that negative comment <laughs> so our, our ancient brains you know we've got these ancient brains on the head that haven't evolved from like running away from tigers and things so yeah exactly yeah, um, the negativity bias right yeah. where we're like searching for it for survival we've yeah. got to you know yeah, exactly nervous system work to be like it's okay <laughs> yeah so Kristen, you've been on this amazing journey like you know you say you've been like you know, at the bottom of the barrel and you've worked your way up and you're doing, what are your kind of aspirations going forward? You've got this incredible platform that you've built. Obviously you're writing your books. What is, you know, what's your aspiration with regards to like spreading positivity further? Hmm. You know, there's always more work to be done. You know, I do love writing, so I'm sure more books are definitely in the future. I am working on um, more public speaking events and then even hosting our own workshop and events in person. So I'm doing a lot of virtual ones and, um, and I see how much better of an experience it is in real life and speaking on stages. So working on that more is definitely a goal for me. And yeah, just continuing to amplify our message in as many ways as we possibly can that can help other people that's definitely my goal yeah that's lovely about the doing it live as well i think that's true you can really feel the energy of people and yeah and actually really like you know touch people 
almost physically in some respects um yeah it's when you see them in person you're able to communicate with them in person yeah um, I, don't, I totally get what you're saying about that I mean, yeah we do this podcast with in the real world it's it's you know we do get that feeling because you're you just got that presence and energy it's 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 a funny thing that it, it makes such a difference yeah, yeah really if you does. if you come to the uk and do one let us know because yeah. we would love to come that sounds right up yeah. our street absolutely right now i'm talking with the art of living retreat which is about two hours from me but that would maybe be our first one and then who knows from there right amazing where are you based I'm in um, Asheville, North Carolina, so in the in the mountains. Very nice. Yeah, I, I could kind of see through your window. It's quite bright, <laughs> but like, is there snow? No. Um, we did have snow a couple times already, just like in the last week. It, it snowed twice. Yeah, oh. but it's melted now. So <laughs> nice, nice. Well, because thank you so much for your time and 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 for creating this amazing platform which is making a difference to so many lives you know like like Sophie said you know I look at it daily and I see so many things there's always something on there for everybody I think it's just an amazing platform that you created and obviously all the work you're doing in your books and um yeah just so it's so a big thank you for me personally because yeah. it, it makes a big difference to my day um and so yeah thank you so much for being with us and for telling us about your incredible journey as well which is you know, remarkable that you've come from such a dark place to where you are now. Yeah. Thank you both for such an, a great conversation. I appreciate it. And yeah, thank you. Thank no, you. Um, where can people, first of all, buy your book and second of all, power of, power of positivity on the social media platforms, but can people fo find and follow you personally as well? I know you've got your own uh, Facebook, um, Instagram account. Yeah. Thank you, Sophie. You know, all the books are on Amazon and um, my handle on Instagram and Facebook and all the places is at Positive Kristen. Lovely. I'm sure people will go and check you out because, yeah, you do spread love and joy. And we like that oh. on Unquestionable. Thank you. I appreciate Thank you so, that much. so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Unquestionable. We'd love to hear from you on social media by searching for Unquestionable Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.